My name is Man Jiaoqi, and I am a professor of uh, University of International Business and Economics in Beijing. The topic for my lecture today is Sustainable Development and International Economic Governance. I would first of all be happy to provide an outline for the lecture. First of all, I would provide a very brief introduction of the evolution of the principle of sustainable development and then I will explain why it is important to stress sustainable development in international economic governance. And then as the third point, I turn to the normative aspect and the adjudicative aspect of integration of sustainable development in international trade and investment law. And finally, I would very briefly discuss the recent trend and the future role of sustainable development in international economic governance. Let me first of all turn to the first point, that's the evolution of principle of sustainable development. While the notion of sustainable development has a long history, the principle of sustainable development only came to the international agenda in the recent decades. I start by highlighting some milestone reports the first report is the Brundtland Report. In 1987, the World Commission on Environment and Development, WCED, published a report entitled Our Common Future. And it is also known as the Brundtland Report. And this report developed guiding principles for sustainable development as it is generally understood today. And it is widely deemed that the report marks that the sustainable development has entered into the international agenda. A few years later, in 1992, the Rio Declaration was adopted, also known as the Earth Summit Declaration in the UN Conference on Environment and Development, UNCED. And the Rio Declaration highlighted how different social, economic, and environmental factors are independent, are interdependent and involved together, and how success in one sector requires action in other sectors to be sustained over time. A sustainable development should be achieved through striking a balance between economic development and environmental protection. Around 10 years later, in 2001, the UN Millennium Declaration was signed in September of the year. The Millennium Development Goals, also known as MDGs, highlighting eight different development goals, and the MDGs are to be achieved by 2015. The Johannesburg Declaration was adopted in 2002, that's just one year after the MDGs, at the World Summit on Sustainable Development, WSSD. And the Johannesburg Declaration recognizes the three pillars of sustainable development, namely economic growth, social development, and environmental protection. And thus opening a new dimension of sustainable development, namely the social dimension. 
And just a few years later, we see the recent development. The UN Sustainable Development Goals, SDG, or Global Goals, were set up in 2015 by the United Nations General Assembly and are intended to be achieved by 2030. The SDGs is a collection of 17 interlinked global goals designed to be a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. And today, as we all know, SDGs has become a tongue word in every aspect of international governance. Now, these documents are not exhaustive for the development of the principle of sustainable development. But there are two distinct features that we can summarize from the evolution of this principle. And the first is that the evolution of the principle of sustainable development has been mainly through consensus building process, especially through international organizations like the United Nations resolutions. And the second is the evolution of sustainable development principle does not seem to follow the typical formation process of customary international law, namely through state practice and opinion jury. And therefore, this gives rise to debate as to the legal status of the principle of sustainable development, whether or not it has already acquired the, the status of customary international law. This is still an open, an open question. So with that brief introduction of the evolution of sustainable development principle, I now turn to the second point. Why do we need to stress sustainable development into, in international economic governance? I highlight a few reasons, but of course, these reasons are not exhaustive. And the first of all is the fragmentation of international law. Sustainable development factors and concerns are normally regulated by different branches of international law. For instance, environmental concerns are normally regulated by environmental treaties. Human rights concerns and labor rights concerns are regulated by human rights and labor rights treaties. And of course, we have the place for the general international law to play. But for trade and investment law, they appear unable to sufficiently and effectively address sustainable development concerns associated with transnational economic activities. Because as I will discuss a bit later, the major purpose of, of existing trade uh, treaties are to promote uh, free trade, and the major purpose for investment treaties is to protect foreign investment. And another reason is to avoid the situation of racing to the bottom. And many countries adopt lenient sustainable development rules in order to attract foreign investment and to promote international trade. This is nothing wrong, but if countries are becoming lenient or derogate from uh, their environmental protection rules or labor rights rules that could, could create a situation of race to the bottom, which is unhelpful 
to the general promotion of sustainable development. And the third reason is regulatory pressure. And nowadays, states bear more obligations than before and more pressure to protect public interest. And therefore, more regulatory space is often needed for states to take measures for sustainable development. And this is highlighted by many states in reforming the existing international economic treaties. For example, in trade treaties and investment treaties, sustainable development factors are stressed. And a final reason that I highlight here is the role of sustainable development in economic development. And this role is receiving growing attention at national, regional, and international levels. With the improving awareness of the role of sustainable development in international economic development, states and regions, they are making uh, treaties that are more compatible to sustainable development. And here, uh, the European Union could be a good example. And as you can find from the website of the European Union, the EU has adopted the trade policy to emphasize sustainability in its international trade and investment treaty making. And in recent treaty making, uh, the EU has often made uh, sustainable development chapters or sections or clauses in its treaties. And EU is not unique. Uh, there are other countries in the world, uh, in many continents, are also uh, stressing sustainable development in international economic governance. Now let me turn to my third point. And this point is to survey the integration of sustainable development provisions in existing international economic treaties, mainly trade and investment treaties, from a normative perspective. And this is closed linked to my next point, to survey the role of sustainable development provisions in international economic dispute settlement. I come to the normative aspect. That's the integration of sustainable development in international economic treaties. As I've already touched upon this issue, I would try to elaborate a little bit more on this issue here. A growing number of sustainable development-related provisions have been incorporated into trade, investment, and financial treaties nowadays, especially the recent treaties. I already gave you the example of EU treaties, but in the same time, I also said that EU is not unique. In treaties of many other countries across the continents, sustainable development-related provisions, or we can call it sustainable development provisions, are incorporated into the treaties for the purpose of promoting sustainable development. For instance, as I've said, the EU is an example. But aside from the EU, the WTO, for instance, is also stressing integration of sustainable development in its rulemaking, such as fishery subsidy agreement and investment facilitation for development. And the negotiation and making of these agreements all have considered sustainable development factors.
And the World Bank has also stressed to closing the SDG financial gap and has concluded agreements for sustainable development projects. And these examples, of course, are illustrative, but at the national and regional level, we also have many other examples. But aside from the fact that we see an increasing of sustainable development-related provisions in international trade and investment treaties, we also find that integration of sustainable development in these treaties does appear to be insufficiently effective in addressing sustainable development concerns connected with international trade and investment activities. And here, for the purpose of illustration, I can give you a few examples to show uh, why and how uh, the efficiencies are there. The first reason is that despite the increase of sustainable developed development provisions in treaties, and many of these provisions are either declaratory or best efforts clauses in nature. And some of these provisions can be found in the preambles of treaties, and some of them can be found in other uh, parts of the treaties. And these provisions normally do not create clear obligations on states or lack sufficient binding force. And another reason is that existing sustainable development provisions are often in the form of exceptions. A notable example here is the GATT, Article 20, General Exceptions. And the GATT, Article 20, incorporates quite a few exceptions, and some of these exceptions touch upon sustainable development factors, for example, the preservation of the environment, uh, the ocean uh, protection, etc. And these kind of general exceptions have been popular and now have been also incorporated into other trade and investment treaties nowadays. But if we have a look at the, these exceptions and also the adjudication or application of these exceptions, then we will find that the threshold for successfully invoking these exceptions appear quite high. And this has already been established through WTO dispute settlement and also, as I will discuss a bit later, in investment state arbitration cases. And because of these high threshold, it becomes quite difficult for states to argue that its measures taken for sustainable development purposes could be justified as a reason for inconsistency of its international obligations with other trade and investment treaties. A third reason is that some treaties now include develop, development-oriented clauses, and typical such clauses are technical assistance clauses and capacity-building clauses. And these clauses, of course, are very needed which aim largely at helping the least developed countries and developing countries in achieving their government ability that would be helpful for these countries in achieving sustainable development. But these clauses 
have a great potential in improving this country's ability in uh, integration, sustainable development in international economic governance. But the obligations imposed by these clauses do not seem to be affirmative, and therefore uh, countries will need to uh, find a solution in order to uh, better integrate sustainable development into its own international economic governance. So here I've just mentioned about the sustainable development provisions in treaties nowadays. To sum up, despite the increase of these treaty provisions, and these treaty provisions are doubtful to some extent in actually promoting and achieving sustainable development because of the various limits I've already mentioned. And now I turn to the fifth point, which deals with the adjudicative aspect of these treaty provisions. Despite that many international economic treaties, trade and investment treaties, include sustainable development provisions in one form or another, as I've mentioned, either as a treaty preamble clause or as best efforts clause or as an exception or as uh, technical assistance, capacity building and other kind of clauses, the actual effectiveness of these provisions in shaping the international adjudicative uh, regime for achieving sustainable development remains uncertain. And now I highlight a few reasons for this uncertainty. And these reasons, of course, are not exhaustive. And one reason is the conflicting or inconsistent treaty objectives. I have already mentioned very slightly that if we have a look at the trade agreements and investment agreements nowadays, we will find that uh, the, the primary purpose of trade agreements is to promote free trade. And the primary purpose of investment agreements is for investment protection. Well, I wouldn't say that these treaty purposes are inconsistent or conflicting with the promotion of sustainable development. I have to say that it is a difficult task to align sufficiently with sustainable development promotion and uh, promoting the free trade and investment protection. So this is a job that is left very often to the adjudicators to deal with in uh, the cases. A second reason for this uncertainty is the issue with uh, the applicable law rules and treaty interpretation. If we have a look at the WTO dispute settlement, for example, and also uh, the investor state arbitration, for example, and we find that uh, despite the success of these dispute settlement and the adjudicators, either the WTO panel or uh, appellate body or the uh, investment arbitrators, they sometimes find it difficult in applying non-WTO rules or non-investment treaty clauses in asserting the obligations and rights of the disputants. We have already seen quite a few WTO cases 
actually involve sustainable development uh, factors such as uh, the preservation of, of exhaustible natural resources. A similar situation also exists in a number of investment arbitration cases where uh, labor rights, where environmental protection issues have been raised by the states. However, in these cases, we find it very difficult to uh, for, for the adjudicators to apply necessary rules that that are outside the WTO agreements or the bilateral investment treaties. And therefore, that creates the difficulty for these tribunals and the, uh, the arbitrators in addressing sufficiently sustainable development concerns cons related with international trade and investment disputes. Very often we see from the results of these cases that the tribunals or the adjudicators feel either difficult in applying certain rules or they have to take an evasive attitude towards sustainable development concerns when adjudicating these cases. A third difficulty or reason for this uncertainty is that the nature of the sustainable development provisions as I've already mentioned, the majority of these provisions are in the form of exception or best efforts clauses. And thus, because of this nature, it is difficult for the adjudicators to apply them in practice for asserting sustainable development obligations on state or on private parties. And a final reason for this uncertainty is pertaining to the special uh, investor-state arbitration system. If we have a look at the investor-state arbitration system, we find that while this system allows foreign investors to sue uh, state for compensation of uh, investment uh, appropriate expropriation, in the same time as the procedural right, it is difficult for state to raise counterclaims. And this is absent in the existing procedures. And therefore, for states who want to, who want to defend themselves through raising a counterclaim, it becomes almost impossible. And that also creates an extra difficulty for states in promoting a sustainable develop, develop, development through their uh, economic governance. And here, a recent development could be found also in the EU. A number of EU trade agreements include a chapter or a section on trade and investment and sustainable development. And more than that, these treaties have put in place specialized dispute settlement mechanism. And we see this in a number of EU treaties nowadays. For example, the free trade agreement between the EU and Korea. Now, this kind of dispute settlement mechanism actually is very similar to arbitration. And normally, it's called expert panel mechanism. And the purpose of this enforcement mechanism is to adjudicate trade and sustainable development disputes. And this could be a very good supplement 
uh, to the existing dispute settlement mechanisms in, for example, the WTO or other uh, type of dispute settlement mechanisms, as I've already mentioned, because the existing mechanisms often, often appear insufficiently effective in aligning sustainable development with uh, trade and investment governance and also uh, in addressing sustainable development concerns. A few cases have already appeared and adjudicated by the, the adjudicators under this kind of treaties, such as the EU-Korea dispute relating to trade and labor rights. Well, admittedly, uh, this is a new development in the field of international economic governance. And there is uh, uh, a potential that the practice will be followed in the future upon observation of its real impact and effect. So with that, let me turn to my final point. The future role of sustainable development in international economic governance. I have some observations here, and I hope that these observations could be a good summary of not only what I've already said, but also uh, the future for sustainable development in international economic governance. And the first is that the international community would have more need for alignment of sustainable development with international trade and uh, investment and financial governance. Nowadays, sustainable development has become a goal, a, a global concern and received growing attention at national, regional, and international policymaking and lawmaking. And with the improved awareness of these common challenges in, to the international community, such as the climate change, the protection of labor rights and human rights, there is a increasing need for aligning sustainable development with international investment and trade treaties. And the second is the legal status of the principle of sustainable development. As I've already mentioned, this remains to some extent an open question. But just imagine in the future, with the improved awareness of all states, with the treatification of the principle of sustainable development in international treaties, and with the integration of sustainable development in more treaties and the adjudication of these uh, provisions, it is possible that the legal status of the principle of sustainable development as a customary international law rule will be ascertained. But it takes time, and we will keep an eye on that. A third point is the assistance to developed countries and least developed countries. When we're talking about development, either economic development or sustainable development, it seems that developing, developing countries and least developed countries' interests should be taken care of. And the difference between developed and developing or least developed countries are very obvious. While all these countries face similar or even the same sustainable development challenge, challenges, they also face a different situation with developing countries and least developed countries 
often having a much tougher situation in balancing the three pillars of sustainable development in economic governance, namely economic growth, social development, and environmental protection. And therefore, in this regard, I believe assistance to these developed and least developed countries is necessary if sustainable development is to be achieved at the global level. The fourth is the enhanced enforcement mechanism. As I've already mentioned, one of the major deficiencies of sustainable development and trade in trade and in investment governance is lack of enforcement mechanism. And one of the achievements, as I've also mentioned, the EU and some other countries have already achieved is to incept such an enforcement mechanism in the treaty. And I believe that over time, especially with the functioning of the existing enforcement mechanisms, the international community will have an opportunity to observe how sustainable development concerns could be addressed by specialized adjudicative mechanisms so that they could be aligned and be promotive to the achievement of sustainable development at the global level. Last but not least, that's the engagement of private parties. Sustainable development stresses human development and the achievement of sustainable development is impossible without sufficient engagement of private parties, especially transnational enterprises. The existing international law, as we all know, is based on largely on the paradigms between the balancing of rights or the dealing with relations among states. But of course, I'm not proposing that transnational enterprises and private parties should be treated equally with the states for the purpose of promotion of sustainable development. What I'm saying is that the international community will need to carefully consider how to better engage private parties in international economic governance, in standard setting, in policy making, in rule making, in consensus building, in dispute settlement, and other aspects. And again, what I have just mentioned is mainly about legalization of sustainable development, but this is only one side of the coin, and more efforts should be done. With that, I shall conclude my talk on sustainable development and international economic governance. Thank you.